0: Physic is dead. Desperation fills Tulak as he sends the Festrog on a chase of futility. Gilda's defensive walls go up again. The shock is too much to absorb in the moment. This is what the surviving heroes have described to me in the immediate aftermath. And in their numbness, they persevered. Behind a screaming painting in the office, they found something unexpected. A long-lost dwarf from the town above. Lazda Vankervale, son of Brelda, owner of the Rowdy Rockfish. He was being tortured by the necromantic light of the Gone Light. Returning to Otari with the broken and battered tavern owner, they come across some political upheaval. As Carmen Rajani gave a scattered but impassioned speech to a crowd of workers and laborers, calling for the fall of Mayor Menhimes and himself as a replacement. Vandy Benderdash saw to the preservation of Physic and Shad's bodies until proper burials could be arranged. And Lazda was returned to a grateful mother. Gilda and Tulak sought to inform Yinyasmira of her club members' death out of respect. But were met with a less than sympathetic reaction. And so they shared a drink in memory of their fallen friend. Another among a few too many in such short time. Tulak was then inspired... To check out the strange burlap pattern they had discovered days before and in it finds a new magical friend to aid in their exploits a puppet turned bag of holding a unique creature by the name of Duffy Bindleford after Lady Gilda has some thought-provoking words with Captain Longsaddle about Rajani and The remaining heroes finally head to Rinz to break the bad news.
1: So I've been thinking lately, lately as of this recording, about something that has been pressed upon me quite a bit, and I have not not resisted so much, as never felt the need for it, uh, and it's become, it's coming to a head, and the fact that I need it more and more, um, and uh, it's it actually, it's a two-parter that are closely connected, and it's uh, scheduling myself in a calendar, and having a to-do list <laughs> and if, mm. you might hear james giggling oh, already <laughs> you fucking, no, that's <laughs> who's who's the one who's who's been pressuring me for for like probably years now into the the necessity importance of these things um and I, I've, I've found recently uh, a need for them quite a bit and this popped into my head not just because i need it in my own my own personal and professional life but also because you might guys might have noticed that i after the last episode, I I, I created a, a PC to-do list because <laughs> there's a lot of things happening right now. And uh, so I just kept to thinking, you know, I, I know James will sit here and gush about how important they are and how valuable they are to himself. <laughs> He's nodding his head. Uh, but I was curious generally about Duncan and, and Scott, how, how much these are a part of your life. Um <laughs> like lately i've been doing a lot of tastings with like local distillery reps and and beer reps cuz i'm we're moving into a new job that involves uh, building a, a bar program at a new brand new restaurant and and then on top of that, making sure that uh, we're getting our stuff done for the this podcast and James and I other podcasts and kind of this uh, available anywhere and your podcasts are available. And yeah, it's just like things have just just been just been piling up on me. Um, so, yeah, Scott, we'll start with you, because I'm pretty sure you just don't use any of them.
2: Well, first of all, <laughs> I like how you insinuated that you were going to ask Duncan and myself and then just proceeded to talk only about yourself for another 30 seconds. So, you know, thanks yeah, for the well, hot intro. Uh, yeah, but I'm your, all, I'm your fearless leader, so whatever. <laughs> I believe in the current parlance, uh, it is termed "adulting" is what you're talking about right now. <laughs> That's what the children say. That's God. what the kids these days. Yeah, millennials and down. On which, fleek, bro. strangely enough, you're part of. But
1: uh, yeah, I am. I'm. I'm just barely in the millennial group. Yeah. Uh,
2: and then to answer your question, yeah, I don't do that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I should. I uh, desperately yeah. need to be. Uh, but you know what? That just uh isn't a part of my life. The the only time that I use it is literally to try to do it for you guys. And it's a big <laughs> to try. Try, try get those episode deal. reviews in time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. One day spend. we're gonna hit a
1: point. We are gonna hit a point where we're all gonna be on the same calendar. We're gonna all gonna need it.
2: I just really try to juggle it in my head and just end up with a lot of uh smash plates on the ground
1: right i mean i'm 35 and i've been doing that my entire life is juggling it all in my head <laughs> so <laughs> yeah it's weird it's weird to f- suddenly feel like i have to do it um dunk
3: yeah i don't think we're gonna get on the same calendar i'm i'm julie and her bust bud um, <laughs> 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 but uh no lists oh, i was never a big proposal I landed of until- way too hard very, very recently. <laughs> Calm down, guys. I'm not that funny.
4: Uh, <laughs> Here for a good calendar
3: joke. Yeah, once I started my new job where you really have to be precise in getting through the steps of, like, you finish all of these steps before or after you do anything in this place. Like, okay, point taken. And that's kind of been seeping into the rest of my life slowly. But right. I, otherwise, no, I just do the same thing, put it in my head hope it
4: comes out okay <laughs> i think what that what we're getting to the bottom of is that you guys are just smarter than i am like i do not have no, the no, brain no, 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 power no. to put that shit in there and just leave it i think yeah, it's, it's neither not about do intelligence we, it's about it's- how oh, okay. memories work
1: i think because gotcha. we talked about memory before i think it's about how memories work because memories work very differently and you and I, mm. you and i james have talked about this quite a bit Oh yeah. uh because yeah, my comparing our own is memories they're totally separate yeah like I've never I've never known anyone that with a memory that works the way yours does. And It's crazy. I find it wild. Um, but yeah, my, I've always had a, a, a very, very good memory, but only for like very specific things. I don't know. I've, I've always just managed to rely on it.
3: Oh, unimportant it things me. for me. If it's like half <laughs> of the uh, categories
1: in Jeopardy, killing it. But I lost my wallet <laughs> twice last month. Both times it was under bed. <laughs> I've never lost my wallet, my keys, or my phone ever in my life never left the bar without them either you know what me neither have really no oh man that's now that's adulting yeah <laughs> yeah same
4: uh, yeah i can't keep track uh, of but I, my
1: memory works weird because i'll do uh like kind of apropos of our you know i don't know how many episodes ago now i talk about muscle memory sometimes i'll serve a table of like 20 people and if I, if I'm in the right mindset, I can just go in one order around the table and just order everyone's by memory, take the order and then plug it in and go to the, do the food and whatever. And then the next two or three days, I'll be able to tell you what they had in order and the order they ordered it through the whole service. And then it'll, it'll be vanished not long after, but for some reason it'll stick in. If I find a pattern, it'll stick real well.
3: But I mean, that's kind of the point of the lists is you've, build so much comfort around memorizing that kind of stuff that you almost get overconfident and start forgetting and not even noticing. Right. No, for sure.
4: That's, that's actually sure. a huge problem with, with the checklist, uh, uh, program.
1: I, I felt, I found that you do list to be valuable for myself, even because given, given our, our strategy for recording, you know, and how frequent we do it and, um, taking into account for whatever breaks we have to do behind the scenes, it helps me with my prep and and knowing what direction you guys might go in next as well. And with this one, this one's tough. I was like, when you're in the dungeon, there's only so many ways to go. But when you're outside the dungeon, you feel like you have things to do in town. I mean, there's a laundry list of NPCs in this town that may or may not be important to the story, but I still have to be ready for them. You know, and it's um, it's it's the farther we get in, the more I feel like it's coming to a head that uh, that we need to have like a a, a regular list going um, of what's uh, what what can or cannot be done. Definitely. And, uh, yeah, I mean, let's just get into the game, shall we? We've, we've, there's some stuff to do. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to run through the list real quick and just just uh, follow me for, for a, a bit of a, I don't know if I'm to call it a segue, but a bit of a transition here. Recently, you discovered Jawl is still alive. Facts. Which is pretty wild. You have a couple people that you might want to report that to. Kalino Lathenar himself, whose wife was killed by Jawl, Menhima's. Mayor of town has been for a long, long time, or Warlowin, uh, the druid who uh, who's come to like redeem the druid's reputation, whom I believe we've never met. You've never met. No, you've never gone to the Summoning Pond, and uh, that that's where Jaw was hiding out because he was a druid amongst there. And uh, this is information you uh, you got from our late, late Physic. You also, uh, at least Tulak, expressed some interest in confronting uh, Carmen Rujani and the situation in town. No, I uh, said that I
2: was gonna do something, but then he wasn't where I thought he'd be. Right, you were gonna have a chat with him. You
1: no, like no, no, confronts a confronts a strong word. You don't <laughs> oh, know what <laughs> I was. Oh, you're just gonna do. do so. Oh, okay. All right. You all have right. No right. idea. Tanya Harding, <laughs> the birds <hell laughs> and two
2: just
1: locks. Turns out two locks learned the create undead ritual. He's gonna get that, Rajani. No, just
2: festrog in his face.
3: <laughs> that sounds like a great metal song.
1: Last <laughs> of Vale was imprisoned and tortured within the gauntlet and the abomination vaults having been gone for what close to a year Mm -hmm. since his disappearance. So you haven't really been able to, to uh, hit him up yet as he recovers. Also you want to sort out physics funeral uh, if possible, although you've been told there's a delay on those sorts of things, at least for the graveyard. Uh, Rather importantly, you've gone to see Rin and report the sad news of physics demise. And as you stepped in, Rin was basically at the tail end of having a vision. Something much more intense than the usual reading of the stars. Three birds perched on the edge of a great sword. Every so often they shift and a trickle of blood slips down the flat of the blade. One bird is wizened, haggard, a survivor. Its feathers unusually growing gray with age from a once proud black. A condor, large and menacing, its honed strike and threatening appearance the last defenses in its elden age. It appears resigned. The second, a large songbird, a shrike, sometimes blind in one eye, other times, perfect clarity in both. At all times, the carrion of its prey impaled upon the tip of the bladed perch. A third, a crow, but its face strapped with the mask of doctors that fight plague and disease. Occasionally it shakes its head, activating the nostril-stinging chemicals within the mask's beak with a flash of fire and flame. Fireflies of blue harry the condor. It slides its feet along the blade, bleeding more and more, coating the deadly perch. It falls to darkness. The pinprick light of stars shine brighter and brighter, observed only by the ocean wind. An eclipse over a blue sun, and the ground beneath the perch reaches up. Snapdragons grow at a rapid rate toward the birds. Their petals bloom in skull-like shapes. A shining kingfisher swoops in to break their stalks. The strike drops its prey upon them like boulders. The crow sets them alight. The snapdragons recede, leaving behind dozens of dead or injured chicks. The kingfisher departs. Below, a large shape can be seen. The span of a red-crowned crane's wings lift from their rounded spread, exposing many chicks alive and well, protected from the assault. The crane joins the perch, as does one of the chicks, a small canary with a clever eye. Gingerly stepping along the blade's edge, the crane offers a wing to the shrike, and then to the crow and the canary, a barrier to stand between foot and perch. They accept at times, but all are pushed and buffeted by rough, unknown winds, cutting their feet as they are shifted around, creating new rivulets to wash the blade. Cruel and vicious owls loom on thorny branches above, delighting in the bloodletting, Unnaturally licking beaks with anticipation. A swoop and the canary is snatched up, and a heavy rain falls. The glint of canine eyes reflects in the overcast shadow. The torn feathers of a lovebird flutter along its chops. Rain floods the soil below. Squirming creatures rise from the depths and breach the surface, a roiling mass of worms, leeches, cockroaches, and spiders. They rise and rise, ignoring the cutting edge of the blade. For every one the birds dispatch from their perch, many more appear. They engulf the crow before retreating, leaving behind nothing but bone and sinew. A red-maned mule, stolen and mistreated under a blue light's whip, returned to its pen. The Great Dane and terrier stand guard, soaked yet stalwart, eyes watching, ears alert, haunches poised. An osprey with a wicked look holds many fish in two big talons. Several slip away, but it seems not to care. The clouds part, and a fox skulks among many chicks below. Yet it yelps, cries, and whimpers. The chicks pay little mind. The fox does not strike. It turns its attention to a nearby dove, a sword banded to its back, The fox quietly slides it from sheath with its jaws, whips its tail and sets afire aged saplings with a shower of embers. A lion, proud and well-fed, paces with concern. A cub plays with a ball of yarn, ruby red, then plods alongside something unseen, its right front paw limp and maimed. And two birds, a red-crowned crane and a shrike, stand upon the blade's edge. Shuffling as an unknown avian flies overhead, always against the backdrop of the pale blue sun. It's call beckoning toward the pale blue light, and the blade edges closer to the light. And then, suffering, suffocating darkness. And this is the very scattered and stark vision that Rin tells you about. About the, That's... about the process
2: there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> holy shit.
1: Cryptic. As you, I assume, relay your story to Rin, what's happened since your last visit, she's pretty quick as, as well as you guys probably are too to interpret a lot of this vision as a tale of what you've been through in many ways. Some of which is information she didn't know. But something has seen to give her this vision to inform her. So when you tell your story, she does not really shy away. She nods with a sort of worried understanding. But then she needs to speculate on where that story ends compared to her vision and what the vision has given her beyond your arrival. Because it does go beyond where you currently are.
5: It is obvious to me, my friends, that the red-maned mule is Lazda. I cannot believe you have found him. The Great Dane and Terrier, well, surely the guard. I do not know quite about this osprey with the wicked look, or this fox, though I might suspect it is your troubles with yn And perhaps the instigations of Carmen Rajani with a lion with a cub in trouble. I do not know about these. I do not know about a, a dove with a sword on its back and the fox's role in it. These are things we need to look out for. These are the parts of my vision that I feel may be the dark news. The danger's
2: ahead. It seems the cosmic caravan does not deliver its messages in a way that is easy for us to dissect. This is the way of the gods I've found through all my reading. We must pay attention, we must be vigilant because, of course, these meanings, these messages, are potent. And we must pay attention to them, but Rin, we need your help to dissect them.
5: I could not agree more, Sage Dulac. My visions have come to me before my worship of the Cosmic Caravan. They are a means to an end that are hard to interpret. But this, this was a vision much like the one I had that saved my village from the devastation of Tree Razor. the demon. This is coming from somewhere else, somewhere in my blood. Like a patron. Offering guidance.
2: So, So, go ahead. No, go on. I was just going to say there's a bird fight outside, so I can't say anything.
3: Oh, well, (laughs) it's kind of fitting, right? Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I just wanted to back up to, it was
1: like a blue sun under an eclipse. Yeah, there's a lot of of references to a a blue sun. It was an eclipse, and then um, there's like a pale blue light constantly built in there. Um, so
4: I think you know, that- what it means is that physics is going to come back as a force.
1: <laughs> Eat your heart out, baby
3: Yoda.
4: <laughs> or regular Yoda, even.
3: Where's he been at? That? He's been CGI since Jim Henson Yeah, It's not Jim Henson. Who it? Never mind. Frank, Frank Oz. Oz. Frank Oz, thank you. I was going to let it slide.
4: Yeah, well. No I wasn't. <laughs> We're putting this on the internet, sir. We cannot. Bring that in. That's why I was going to let it slide. So I can get a bunch of <laughs> shit later. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I think a couple of episodes ago ago I misquoted Wolverine's first appearance. So anything to, to misdirect. <laughs> uh I think I think at this point Gilda's just like sort of in awe, a state of awe and disbelief. Like she she believes that Rin and Tulak believe it. Uh, Her communication with her god is pretty simple and straightforward, so this seems uh, a little needlessly complicated to her.
2: Yeah, I also want to throw out here that the reaction of Tulak, the character, and the reaction of Scott the player are two very different things, I would think. (laughs) You know, Tulak being a little more used to reading omens, being in touch with visions uh whereas i am just an idiot and i'm just listening to this trying to keep up so (laughs) yeah i i spat it at you pretty quick on purpose (laughs) yeah that's where playing your character is hard sometimes when you're dumb uh and for that admission i've given
1: you a hero point (laughs) (laughs) hey charity uh, as, as much as doesn't get you anything it's a it's a it's a perfect example of separation of character and and player like, Tulak probably would have been listening very intently to this, you know? I'll tell you what. Why don't you roll me a fortune-telling lore? Oh,
2: Ooh. yeah, dude.
1: There's something you've never been able to use. <laughs> Talk about throwing him a bone.
2: Hey! <laughs> uh,
1: that is a 21. Yeah, I mean, I would say that means you have played pretty damn close attention to this. We don't want to dwell on this for too long, but... Is there any particular portion of this you want to go over like, to have, try to have a better understanding of? Because I went through it pretty quick.
2: Or do you want me to just give you a quick breakdown? Just go breakdown because okay. I missed a lot. Uh, I, like, I was listening, yeah. but I didn't. Get yeah. It. Also, no, okay, it's, it's who, fine. And who had the
1: hurt paw? Okay, so That's uh, skill though, most always. most of it, the vast majority of it, is a, is a retelling of your situation so far. I hope this is fun for listeners because then you can go back and listen. and Maybe you'll, you'll pick up on it. Most of it's yeah, a retelling. You're all a birds, and you're all constantly on the bl- a bladed edge of a perch for some reason, and uh, basically are constantly fighting against your you know, this edge as well as other factors, yeah. um, other other things coming at you. The condor Samal, who falls to the the blue fireflies. Um, a Kingfisher swoops in, you quickly establish that as, uh, Raphael, but because they leave right away, you are a Shrike, Tulok, You pick uh, up on the fact that you, your prey is always on the, the tip of the blade and you use them against the Snapdragons. Those are your undead summonings. You also probably twist your head a bit at the fact that you're blind in one eye sometimes in this vision, but see with perfect clarity on the other times rather than the other way around. As you push forward through the vision, um, there is a red-crowned crane that is revealed, protecting uh, off-scene off from the Snapdragons. You might presume this is Lady Gilda in her part against the event that happened uh, the, at the graveyard. Um, as you push forward, it's quite clear that this roiling mass of creatures, like insects and stuff, uh, that destroy the crow... Um, if it wasn't obvious already, that was, in fact, physic. From there, it becomes a little less obvious where uh, a red-maned mule was stolen, mistreated, and returned. And then you have uh, these the Great Dane and Terrier that stand guard and an osprey with a wicked look, carrying too many fish but not caring when they slip away. And then the fox that is yelping and crying and whimpering around a bunch of chicks that are not paying any mind. He does not strike at. These all are very recent events. The finding of Lazda, you know, the role of Gerald and Longsaddle, perhaps Ian Yasmira, the osprey, who mm-hmm. does not care, and perhaps Carmen the fox. From there, you don't know. Something about a dove with a sword at its back and the fox steals it. Something about setting a fire aged saplings. A lion that is proud and well-fed, but concerned that with a cub that is playing with a ball of yarn that is ruby red. And then it plods alongside something that is unseen with the right front paw limp and maimed. And then from there, this obvious imagery of pushing towards the light, the two birds remaining pushing towards the light with another avian flying overhead against the light, calling, beckoning. <laughs>
2: Duncan Forbes, everyone. (laughs) Okay. So I think Tulak leans back in his chair, has a sip of the tea that's in both of his hands, and just kind of gazes towards the roof of the canopy of the tent and says, well, I suppose looking at the past will give us some answers, but to truly understand this riddle we must continue forward and pay mind to what has been spoken see what it reveals to us in the future
5: in my experience to luck these visions are not a way to prevent what will happen but are instead a clue an insight into what to do when they O I could not save my village from Tree Razor, but I did save every single person within it. We left. We could not stop the demon. We could not stop their armies. But we could stop the loss of life. Do not think to change these outcomes. Just do not be surprised when you see them. And be prepared
4: such notes <laughs> <laughs> James James is just
1: he's quiet he's like I he thinking about what Gilda's saying no he's making notes <laughs> yeah
4: I honestly don't know what Gilda would say in this situation I think she's probably just doing the same thing as me just being very quiet taking down as many notes as she possibly can um as, as much as she believes conversation with with your deity should be limited but straightforward um it, this isn't the first time that that uh t- er, has spoke of uh rin with with um high regards so Gilda will obviously mm. hold her in such high regard even though she's not she doesn't understand what the fuck is happening and like to yeah. and and her like going over it like identifying symbols and she's just like just like smiling and nodding eyes glazing over calmly like yep that's <laughs> definitely what like it's like when two of your friends talk about something you're not interested in,
2: right? Like also, yeah. <laughs> wasn't it the second? Like when time, you guys talk about hockey? <laughs>
5: yeah, yeah.
2: I think it was the second time that you met Rin that she had the vision of if we correctly use Borbo, which is an awful way to put it. I uh, think we that was the information. That's what we did. We'll get the information yeah. about like the hidden path. So. Yeah,
4: I think that was the first time. I think this is only the second time Gilda's met
2: Yeah, I think that's, I think you might be right there
1: with Gilda. Yeah, um,
4: but yeah, absolutely. She's she's earned the the cred. I forgot about that the um the 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 opening curtains and stuff like that. Hmm. Uh, but I, you know, she still doesn't speak dream interpretation. So no.
1: Yeah, I think that you make a really cool point about you know speaking with your deity because it, it's usually never direct. You're never having a conversation with your deity. Um, but this is almost, uh, but it's, but you're right. It's a, a little more like linear, almost, right? And you 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 have to interpret some, but you you know what you're going to get from your deity essentially, and you know what you want what you want to do to to say to them. In this case, it is like not only less direct; it's a big smattering of of craziness, and it's like way more direct than usual, and it's very one sided. So it's a, probably yeah. a very very unorthodox, according to Gilda, uh, way of being communicated to by like some sort of powerful force
4: yeah i don't i'm not i mean i know she believes it but i think she's still mm-hmm. a little skeptical of Rin's abilities like maybe she is just making right. some of this shit up you know like <laughs> yeah sort of like like after her and Tulak go at it and they they start dissecting it they're like okay we're the birds she's like okay mm-hmm. i'm i'm a bird cool i, I can get behind that <laughs> and then they start talking about like carmen being a fox or something and she's like nope that's probably not it, <laughs> you know. Like, there's some interpretation that definitely loses her in there because she's just used to. Do you
1: think her skepticism with, uh, with Rin's legitimacy might come from the fact that, you know, you have a very militaristic background, so it's like authority kind of really means something. Where Rin is like the local oddities merchant that most people think is just a sort of a local
4: eccentric. Yeah, I think that definitely has something to do with it, but I think mm-hmm. it might also just be like the the ignorance of youth, you know, like she's going to live mm-hmm. another four to six hundred years. And she's just like right. she is she thinks she has the world figured out, you know? She's she's twenty four right. years old, thrown into the middle of this.
1: <laughs> oh no, she's, not one of those. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. New We've all been, been there.
2: there. <laughs> Scott was there last week. Um I've been eighteen since I was sixteen. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Uh all right. Uh, well, before we get too far away from the text of this uh prophecy, I didn't want to interrupt or anything, but uh Tree Razor needs a crossover event fighting tree beards. If any <laughs> fan fiction writers out there
1: want to do it. Uh
4: in my notes it says must have been the name of a rejected Mountain Dew mascot. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Tree Razor is the self-styled lord of the Blasted Tarn, a powerful demon on the cusp of ascending to the power of one of uh, a true power of one of the rulers of the Abyss. An exceptionally powerful demon, actually. Um, right. But that doesn't change game, the fact that it sounds like a 90s skateboard <laughs> company. <laughs> yeah and it's razor r-a-z-e-r like yeah as in of they course it is trees. oh great yeah they, they didn't take the vowels yeah, they out. not as in they shave trees <laughs> just 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 for clarity He's gonna pull i like it, my, my way better that he rides around on. yeah <laughs> uh,
3: uh so what does All physics right, think
1: would
3: you yikes <laughs> yeah, dude yeah. He thinks, "Hey, why are these worms eating me so much?"
1: Right good. Good. Yeah. 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 No, he's, he's in gentle
3: repose. You're good. You're good. Yeah. No. He's in gentle repose. He's waiting for the third act of a Star Wars movie. <laughs> All right. Well, so,
4: I, I guess after they're done sorting that out, um, I, I think Gilda thanks Rin for the vision. Like not really knowing how this transaction works. Only. Like the last time she was here during the vision she walked out of the hut so this time she's just like thanks for the tea and uh <laughs> thanks, thanks for the vision i guess is that is that proper is that-
2: Tula cuts in and turns to rin and says there's much we must do in town right now but we'll see you soon please come and join us for when we interphysic we know not yet when But soon we shall take care of this, and I know that you of all people, he would like to be there. He spoke to me of many things he must have spoken to you about, visions of chaos and demise. I hope they are not in our future still, but maybe we'll speak of these later, and your visions upon those. And he excuses himself. Yeah, Rin is, like,
1: beaming at, at Gilda's awkwardness, thinking it's really funny. Because, yeah. <laughs> like, as, as mysterious as Rin can maybe seem, she uh, absolutely has no, no real time for, uh, like, etiquette. <laughs> like, it's just, she likes, likes to probably has, a good tea ceremony, but, you know, is by no means uh, someone of, um, what's it, like, ceremony or anything like that. Right. She kind of winks at uh, Tulak says,
5: Yes, Tulak, I, of course, would be there. He is in good hands with Vandy. We can rest assured. And we'll keep an eye.
0: And We will talk later.
1: And kind of nodding towards Gilda as she's exiting the uh, area, I guess. <laughs> it's kind of a weird structure here. Yert.
4: You have a good one potential. there. What's that? I think yurt is the architectural term.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I keep forgetting how it's laid out. Someone did a really cool map on Reddit of how it's laid out because it's a very open concept, not like we have I think on the map. Carnival here. tent. <laughs> oh yeah. She says, uh,
5: you have a good one there, Tulak, with the Lady Hilda. She will keep balance.
2: Good luck. Thank you, Rin. She is so capable and has been nothing but a boon for us. I worry that she might blame herself. For the fact that we lost Physic down there. But I know it wasn't her fault. Incredibly horrifying down there, Rin. It just is wave after wave of terrible creature, monster, ghost, incorporeal, fiend. I. It is so much, Rin. But we must steal our resolve and carry on. And he just turns and walks away. Perhaps behind you, unseen to you, she's just nodding with with a look of
1: confidence in you. What do you do?
2: Meow, meow. Um, I mean,
4: Gilda's like she doesn't want to report Jaw yet. That she she understands that it's something that Tulak and Physic wanted to do, but she's like purposely not talking about it because she doesn't want to remind them. Oh, uh, don't
2: toss me play. in there, man. I didn't want to. I was not set on reporting Jaws. So oh, okay, far. gotcha. I,
4: sorry, I misremembered it.
2: Yeah, because Kalino is a piece of shit a lot of the time. And yeah, um,
4: and I get that he's a you know correlation does not equal causation, but. Mm. that doesn't sound right. <laughs> Is that not how the I always goes?
1: want Duncan to like never have a character again so you just quip in once in a blue moon. Oh if I could just sit here being a smart ass the whole time, I'd oh, be <laughs> just... I hope that's just the character
4: you made. Just somebody who sits in the back ca- and just snipes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. it's like what, one one cast one part of our casting crew is just an audience member. <laughs> I just got like Statler and Waldorf from the Muppets and a little blimp following them around.
2: Have you met Duncan Staldor Forbes? <laughs> yeah, what's that uh, Mario character that floats around in the cloud? Lakitu. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And uh, just that's Duncan. But instead of throwing down like little fucking turtles, it's just uh, quips. Just quips. Yeah, quips and, the, quips it, and it,
3: it's, wits. It's not spiky little uh, animals. It's just barbs of, of wit. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> verbal barbs. barbs. Of wit.
1: <laughs> All right. All right, so neither of you are on board with, uh, with uh, reporting Jaw. Okay?
4: No. Yeah. Um, I have nothing left to do in town unless we want to move some of physics gear.
2: We do want to separate the gear. We do Oh yeah,
3: she covers some housekeeping there. Yeah, there is some wheat and a lot of chaff. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I know that we took a look at it off, Mike, and I think that you should take the crafting glasses for now. I'll take the healer's gloves for now because you don't have a hand slot open.
4: Yeah, that makes sense.
2: Oh, true enough. I and I,
4: I probably won't ever have a hand slot open. So,
2: Yeah, so. And then other than that, I mean, everything we can just throw into our party loot chest for now.
4: Yeah, that's fair. I just want to make sure I actually have repair tools. I don't have repair tools, so I'll need to take uh, physics as well.
2: He's not gonna need him. <laughs> and the next thing going he's, forward He's beyond repair. <laughs> hey oh. His soul is um, broken. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> His force ghost is gonna be so sad to hear that. <laughs> um we I would like to go check in on Lazda. I don't necessarily need to do anything with Carmen Rajani right now. And okay. um it might be interesting just to go to the Druids and see Warly win just to not even say anything about finding Jaw, but just we've never been there and it could be interesting to get a little interaction, but I'm not necessarily pushing for that right now either. Uh, yeah,
4: I'm, I'm fine either way. I think, uh, I think Gilda's itching to kind of get back and, you know, put this stuff behind her. Um, but but not like to the point where it would be a concern of hers to um, go to the Druid Circle like that wouldn't take very
2: long. Yeah, let's hit up Lazda first and just see how. I mean, he just got back yesterday, so he's probably in absolute dog shit shape still. But let's just see what he's
4: up to. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, while you're doing that, I think. Uh, yeah, Gilda would go with you. I uh, so I full disclosure, I still have three scrolls and an unusual lantern from that last room we were in. But I think Gilda would go with you to see Lysa. So.
1: Yeah, I, I actually have a couple uh, Housekeeping notes here too to just quickly cover, um, and that was one of them. So let's make sure we do that before we we get out of town, I guess. But um, the other ones were a couple of things. I'm not sure if they made the cut in the episodes or not. But one was whether or not Gilda equipping the half plate reduced her speed. I was under the impression it would not because she met the strength requirement. Uh, but it turns out that's not quite true. Meeting the strength requirement reduces that penalty by five feet. Yeah. So normally it would be 10 feet. So her speed is reduced by five feet, uh, making her total speed 20 now. Yeah. And
4: that's reflected. Um, so she moves a little bit slower, but yeah. her, her baseline AC without a shield is now 23 instead of 22. So. <sighs> nice. Crazy. Um, shield raised. The other thing
1: 25. is I, I did some I did some digging on the Delicinetic projectile versus magic community. You just uh, fucked it we, up we played that uh (laughs) we played we're a little back and forth with that one um and uh what i've found is you know rules is written uh the order of operations is that if there is an exception it will be listed uh telekinetic projectile is a magic attack it is a spell therefore immunity affects it so whether or not the damage type is bludgeoning is doesn't make a difference so if something is immune to magic, telekinetic projectile will not work, and that's how we're gonna play it from now on. Okay. Copy that, that. That ends up.
4: I don't like it. Yeah. For obvious reasons. Yeah. But yeah. It, it, um, that, That's a that's a yeah. fair and just ruling.
1: From there, uh, Scott, just in case you haven't, just a reminder that you need to prepare that staff of necromancy because that's a prepared thing, like your like spells and stuff. So.
2: Right. 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 Right.
1: Yeah. But otherwise, you can head on in to speak with Latsta down at the Rowdy Rockfish. And as you pop your head in, it becomes immediately evident that there are more people in here than usual. You guys have visited a few times. And in fact, there is no bartender. Sorry, Brelda is not behind the bar. But rather, what appears to be a bartender that's been um, basically hired, perhaps on a temporary basis, from crows casks to fill in. As soon as you step in, heads turn, and you receive a lot of... Nods, A lot of uh, courteous nods. Nods of thanks, perhaps. And the bartender even stops what they're doing and immediately gestures towards what door to go to um, with the assumption of what your business would be. You head through the door and with a couple creak of the floorboards, uh, another door along a small hallway cracks open quickly and Brelda's head pops out. And she gives a, a weak smile, but a genuine one. And opens the door and gestures you in. And Lazda's lying on a bed, uh, head bandaged, partially covered in, in a, a blanket, but uh, with lots of bandages along the parts you can see. Clearly, a certain amount of effort has gone into avoiding some cloth to skin contact, um, given the blisters and skin damage that he received from his ordeal. But he's conscious if a little bit weary. So these are our saviors. Do like I recognize you. Yes. I don't know your companion, but we well, thank you both.
2: This is Lady Gilda of August. She was instrumental in bringing you out of there. Though she's not from Otari, she protects it like her own. How are you? How are you feeling? I might not look it,
1: but better than I was. It was, um, nothing short of continuous torment under that light. I, I can't
0: describe it.
2: Were you in that same room the whole time you've been gone?
0: Uh, no. No, but
1: time sort of has slipped away from me. I'm told that I was on for nearly a a year and um it feels like I don't know how long but no I I first woke in a cage there was a room uh, with three cages in it floor to ceiling just barely enough to stand in not even close enough to lie in and there was a blue creature covered in spikes spiky chains or some such they told me constantly that, that they had plans for me and they spent months barely keeping me fed and hydrated telling me what they were going to do to me and before they could formulate their final plans they took me away this, this blue creature it was more than disappointed but I was brought out and it was placed on that slab, that altar, and then everything's a blur from there. The only thing I remember was the last time I was in town, I went
0: for my early morning walks, and there was this blue light out towards the marsh, and it called me,
1: and it pulled me forward. I can't explain how.
5: The next thing I knew, I was in the woods,
0: and I was romping through the fog fan. And then I was a prisoner,
2: and I'm afraid that's all I can tell you. Thank you, Laza, for this information, but can you tell me more of the blue light? Did it have a body? Was it an apparition, or was it something like a will-o'-wisp? Did it have a face? A skull?
0: There was no face, no. It seemed to bob strangely, like, like it was being carried. I don't even know how to explain
2: it. Okay. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for this information. I'm sure you know by now that something has happened here in the town. And you can ask your mother about this. But we are trying to stop what's going on. So if any more information comes to you, please, please tell us. Anything could help, even the smallest detail. Aye, I will. And has got a look
1: of, like, concern mixed with sternness on her face. And he kind of smirks, As a like,
2: Mother's been a bit protective, but
1: we'll get through this, son. I'm sure she'll fill me in.
2: And Tulak just kind of maybe gives his forearm a squeeze or something like that try not to injure Oh, her. that was he where was my was biggest blister
1: was oh why would <laughs> you do that for
0: oh
1: oh that 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 fucking smarts that does. a bastard <laughs> two luck smiles and uh yeah exits
3: pretty good scottish broke, by the way there do you
1: like that it's uh i felt like i was coming in and out of it but uh, any yeah. <laughs> I'm sure somebody that actually uh,
3: speaks like that would find flaws in it, but
1: I'm, I'm sure I'm sure James has some notes. <laughs> it no. was a regular train spotting three.
4: <laughs> You're at least as good as Johnny the. Miller.
1: It's all just a metaphor for heroin. <laughs> that's all, all, about That's all abomination of <laughs> What do you think Ian Asmer is going in there for? They're all just different styles of heroin den, <laughs> different themes. Ah, uh, yes. Spoiler alert: <laughs> Level seven is an opium den. Woo! <laughs> what a twist!
2: All right, so they leave. How about that?
4: <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think while Tulok is talking to him, Gilda's is like inspecting his wounds, trying to suss out whether or not he's going to make a full recovery, or just like a partial recovery, or if he's not going to recover at all. Reading the look on. Brother's um, face. She's a little concerned. She's a little more concerned for him than she was going into this.
1: Yeah, um, he, he he looks already a lot better um, than when you found him and you carried him back to town. So you have no reason to think that he has any sort of disease um, or something that is going to like continuously rack his body. Um, what you witnessed in that room was him being constantly deteriorated and destroyed, whilst also being healed in return. Right, I remember that. So. He's, he's just gone through a constant cycle of trauma and recovery. And now he's just laden with remaining trauma, but now going through recovery. Yeah,
4: having been in one of those necromantic spirals herself, I'm sure she can relate really to the pain that he felt.
1: Yeah, I mean, and very very legitimate concern at the end of the day for that.
4: Yeah, so um, if she doesn't find anything, like any anything that looks terribly infected or anything like that, she's just... Gonna be- She'll, she'll smile and with the two lock saying a whole lot. She's um, I guess a little uh, caught off guard when when Tulak says she protects Otari like her own because she doesn't think of Otari as as home. Um, but it was it was a really nice sentiment. She's just just mm-hmm. caught her off guard a
1: little bit. She's here for the innocent, more yeah. or less, like protecting the innocent.
4: Yeah, she if if she can protect somebody, she has to. It's part of the tenets of being a paladin. Right. Uh, and she cannot let harm come to others through inaction, and that's that's why she's in this situation. But it, you know, being a dead it almost might
1: blur time. the line of home. You know, yeah, because right? it doesn't matter where you are, yeah, 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 home or not. So it almost almost makes it home because it is where you need to be.
4: Yeah, and she'll always be Andoran at heart. But it's uh, it's it's a nice sentiment. We off to see the druids then,
1: there, Scott uh i mean even if you just want to pass by uh the stone ring pond is
4: it's on the way to the gaunt trail
1: off the trail of the gaunt trail yeah and it's um it's a total of two dozen standing stones that are about 12 feet high and they stand like centuries around the shores of a shallow pond uh the stones are raised uh, were raised generations ago by uh the church of Gazra soon after otari was retaken from the stone scale cobalt so if you remember your your otari history and they have remained a place of worship for druids, rangers, and naturalists ever since. The waters of the pond are unusually reflective, but despite whispered rumors, they are not magical. So don't even bother detecting magic, Tulak. Hmm. Um, Tulak is probably <laughs> one of
4: the ones who determined that they weren't magical. I cannot imagine <laughs> when he got to Otari, he didn't have like like yeah. a real interest in this place.
1: There's always a small cabal of like nomadic druids and uh, clerics that usually faithful to Gazra. Um, or Phrasma, uh, not Phrasma, sorry, uh, Desna, who is the patron of travel, They usually uh, camped nearby, um, kind of spend a lot of time there and um, do sort of pilgrimages to this spot, among others. Um, so it's usually a constant rotation of people, although there's definitely a few familiar faces, Warlewin being the most important one, um, who arrived five years after the event with Jawl and has spent 25 years mending the relationships with otari and the druids here uh she spends her time a lot of her time working with the loggers in town to make sure that they they uh, do their work harmoniously with the local nature
3: yay sustainable practices
2: exactly love it
1: okay Um, do you want to stop Um, in or yeah let's just cruise by sure and Warlowin is a uh female gnome druid dressed in the usual Browns and greens, perhaps a little little bit rough and dusty, but um, otherwise quite pleasant and welcoming. Offers services and, and healing and stuff, and unlike uh, not unlike uh,
2: Vandy Vanderdash. Oh, fuck. That just reminded me. We need to uh, look into that stuff that you have.
4: Uh, it is three scrolls and an unusual lantern.
2: Okay. Should we just take care of that real quick? Or should we go? Sorry, I just kind of sidetracked us. I just,
1: no, that's fine. We we said we should carry. We should figure it yeah, out. Yeah, sure.
4: Um, I my best magic skill is religion, which is a plus ten. Uh, do you want to roll a separate checks, or do you want me to aid you?
2: Uh, let's just roll our own. We both got pretty high. Uh,
4: unusual lantern first.
2: Two on the die for a fourteen.
1: Uh, let me see here.
2: Uh, yeah, you you have no idea.
3: I think it's a lava
2: lamp. I use my hero point. Ooh stamp fuck it let's keep this hero <laughs> point economy rolling 23 e- no idea oh what <laughs> nope son of a bitch all right okay First, what's scroll. the other shit yeah um, natural 20 on that one
3: attaboy.
1: well uh knowing what we know about uh scrolls and wands and magical traditions Uh, I think Tulak just knows what the scrolls are, What that rolls.
4: If they're on his list. Now that you have a chance to look at them,
1: I think he just knows them. Okay. One is a scroll of Paralyze. One, he definitely knows. It's a scroll of Comprehend Language. Mm. And even though uh, I just said I always wanted to backtrack, but Tulak did actually just roll a natural 20. So the other one is a rare spell or an uncommon spell. Actually, no, it's a rare spell known as Worms Repast, which um, was used on, I believe, Physic. It's the one where a bunch of... Uh, oh, yeah, the gnawing worms <laughs> appeared. Cool. <laughs> and there was some confusion.
4: Uh, okay, so we'll have to do the Lantern the next time we rest, I guess? Is it, is it once mm-hmm. per rest?
1: Yeah, you could try it again, but it, the DC goes higher, and you already, you already lost it at 23, so...
4: Yeah, that's what I'm trying to, to avoid, is the DC getting higher. Yeah.
2: But it comes back down the next day, right?
4: That's what I. That's what I'm asking. Yeah,
2: yeah. Okay. Too luck really mulls it over and is going to roll again. Twenty nine. Bold. Oof, Oof. Um, hmm.
4: Let's just try and catch a corpse light or a willow wispin and see what happens. I too have played Zelda.
2: Zelda noises. <laughs> uh, Twenty nine will do it. That's right, baby. Oh nice. wow.
3: The tenacity pays off.
1: This is a rather unique item known as a lantern of empty light. It's said that the pale blue light of this eldritch lantern shines from another dimension or even is linked somehow to the glow of a ghost when it is consumed by the outer goddess Nimbeloth. A lantern of empty light is not intrinsically an evil item, though it remains a favored tool of those who would manipulate the minds of others for sinister reasons. It can be used as normal Uh, as a normal bullseye lantern, but prolonged use tends to instill in the user a vague sense of being watched by unseen eyes. Its purpose, it's got a couple activations. They're both two action activations. One of them is also emotion and visual. It's once per day. And you direct the lantern's light upon a single living creature within 60 feet. The creature must attempt a will save to resist the effects. If they fail, they effectively become fascinated and If they critically fail, you can sustain this fascination for up to one hour. And when you become fascinated, you are fixated on a spot and a place or a person. And you cannot really move away from it or do anything harmful to it. The other activation is a once per day as well. uh, And you can set the light upon a single incorporeal undead within 60 feet to siphon away some of the creature's essence. Dealing 4d8 positive damage to the creature with a basic will save.
4: Oh, wow. Uh, cool. do you want that as well to lock? Sure, I'll take that. Uh, until I get nimble shield hand next level, I think I'm kind of fucked for like stuff.
2: where do we get this from again?
4: This was all from Bollock's desk.
2: desk. Uh, the desk, right? Right, right. Okay, in fact, as you
1: are uh rif- rifling through these these things because you what you did was you grabbed as all the papers you could find
4: yeah she just um, and cleaned, cleaned the, the desk trolls. into her backpack
1: yeah and um you find a whole bunch of other papers and small books that you've cleared off and uh, and um i mean it's hard because like it's a lot to go through so uh you could take the time now um which might you know push the clock forward a bit and we can go through it or you can you can wait for later if you want it's up to you. So
2: push.
3: Can drop them all with uh, more and see if he can s- s- uh, rifle through them.
2: Yeah. Oh, or also, can we chuck them into Duffy or whatever? Can we use Duffy? Duffy oh,
1: Bindleford. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hello, friends. Oh, you have so many books and scrolls there. I love those. They taste so good. Hello, Mr. Book. Hello, Miss Scroll. Could I,
5: could I, could I eat you? Just temporarily. What do you say, Master Tunak? Could I, could I?
1: Duffy, of course. Mmm, delicious. Please, please. And just grabs them and just starts shoving them in his mouth, faking to chew. Oh, this is delightful. So many cool little details. Oh, <laughs> I don't know why I said the word cool. It doesn't seem part of my lexicon at all. <laughs> oh,
2: I mean, he's a I must have feature. picked it
1: up from one of these books. You never know. You never know what you're going to pick up. And what's going to stay?
3: It's so much more unsettling that he enjoys eating the things that we store in him what
2: happens when it's knives what happens when it's knives oh he just
4: talks to a regular bag of holding
2: yeah. oh no <laughs> exactly. sword. swallowers. I get it it's just yeah <laughs> next time I put a corpse in there you're on your own page uh, <laughs>
1: swallowing uh, so I mean we gotta remember that Duffy's Duffy's abilities here are to give you some insights uh, and maybe hasten the process Yeah but he cannot just like regurgitate all the information within to you. I might, you'll still have to take some time. Sure.
4: Let's take the time. Yeah. I mean, well, Duffy's doing that. We can check in on the Druid Circle. Like we don't, we don't need to just sit there and watch him eat, digest the books, I guess is the appropriate parlance.
1: Well, it's more like a, he's like a research assistant, right? So it's like, it's not like him just like taking time to uh, digest it all. Like he's just going to bring it back out. And then when you start researching, he'll tell you what not to look at and what to look at okay um so it's like his his ability is quite instant okay can we just the
2: amount of time it takes how about this can we just say that we did this where we left town so we're not standing in on the road in front of the druids doing this but i like it in the road it's so breezy and lovely but yes you can okay
1: (laughs) (laughs) duncan's laughing (laughs) what can i do So, I mean, it's just going to take some time. I'll I'll, I'll adjust the clock here. And uh, you basically find some very interesting information. Um, First of all, you find, and these actually, I don't know if you've noticed, James, these are actually all, this is in Lady Gilda's inventory right now. I have, yeah. Vollock's papers and journal. Yeah. The journal entries express a number of thoughts and feelings from Vollock over an indeterminate amount of time. There is frustration for waiting for instructions. He seems to believe that Mistress Belcora has returned, but he has not seen her. His frustration stems from having uh, having not been contacted directly, but instead having to go through a dark and powerful entity he refers to as the Void Wisp. He feels his dedication and allegiance has gone unnoticed and believes that whatever this Void Wisp is, he remains the most loyal and devoted to Belcora. He's also ashamed and angry over his appearance. This is like smattered throughout. He longs for the days he was a well-groomed and handsome drow and projects his anger onto one in Invasar for deceiving him. In contrast, he expresses no regret when doubling down on his dedication to Belcora, confident he will one day be restored to his former glory through her power. In addition, there are three blueprints. For the first three levels of the Abomination Vaults Ooh. the ground level, Servant's Quarters, and the library level. Also, shout out to Mark Pierce for these handouts, someone who did a module for the first book on some cool handout stuff. Really, really well done. Really awesome. Ooh, I see stuff we didn't find.
2: <laughs> yeah, <that's
1: for> that. <laughs> Hidden. You can see here there are, there are spots that uh, you, uh, you did find that are secret, uh, or like most likely secret. And there, are, yeah, there are definitely spots you did not find so far. Sick. This my add to your to-do list uh, going back in. I don't
4: see a whole lot that we didn't find. To
1: I mean, be perfectly honest, I don't think you missed anything on floors one and two. No. yeah, The library level, you missed some stuff.
4: Uh, yeah. There,
1: uh, In the room with the watching eye, there was, in fact, a secret door leading to something called the spying hall on this blueprint. There is uh, where you fought the two two of the cultists that were arguing over flavor in this really de- grotesque room. That, that room is labeled as the author's hall, and there was a secret, apparently a door that led south from there. You didn't find it. And perhaps most curiously, um, there was a small room off of the private collection room where you fought Nakazarin. We had that big, ridiculous ghoul fight with the fucking dinosaur. And where <laughs> yeah. where Shad died. <laughs> and where Shad died,
4: yeah. Yeah. Um and the subterranean grotto really has my attention.
1: Yeah, that that's that's going down from the the author's hall. Um there's a some sort of subterranean grotto. Uh yeah. You can see that room that was unfinished. It's just labeled as expansion. So not much more to go on there. But the room that you brought the golem and had to run is called the historical
2: archive.
4: Time to take that golem on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is... Uh, now, also, I'm confused. Well, I'm interested to see what the uh, subtraining grotto is like as well because it has two coastal caves. So another entrance. Right, yeah,
1: it's like, like a like a, a cave a cave sort of system exit, perhaps. Right. right
2: so right, right. with Need all to. that in mind, I guess we'll uh, go see the stupid druids.
4: Yeah, or do whatever we have to do to get Duncan back in the game.
3: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm having a great time I, I made a nice picture I'm going to put it on the fridge later right but we can't fight a golem with just the two of us
4: and, and, a, and a fourth wall break and cast member <laughs> yeah. do
2: I want to know what Duncan's character is god that's too hmm. let's skip the druids I want to uh, now that we have all this fucking map I just want to go look at it these rooms sure skipping the druids I mean we really only okay. were going to go talk about Get some background info on what's going on with Joel. I don't care to deal with him today anyways. All right. Well, you head back to Gauntlet.
1: Perhaps a very wary and cautious walk through the trail to the Fog Fen.
2: Uh Also keeping eyes out for any blue. Maybe hell. Okay,
1: sure. Yeah, of course. You make your way towards where this all started. Now there's only two of you, and it's probably a bit worrying. (laughs) And uh, you step towards the sort of outbuilding where the first encounter happened. And how are
2: you both feeling right now?
4: Excited, but ashamed that she's excited.
2: Mm -hmm. Tulak not excited at all, really. (laughs) I think that, you know, after... Last session, when they lost two or uh, they lost physic, he was pretty sad and angry, and I think that albeit we've been talking about other stuff and kind of going through things that I haven't necessarily been showing that he's been like that, but yeah, he's still i mean it they lost physic yesterday, so it's all mm-hmm. on his mind, yeah, but he is resolved to continue forward, and especially with the fact that. Like they don't know when the next wave is going to be. I think that he has really put upon himself, well, I'm projecting upon him a need to continue to push because they don't know when that next wave is going to be. If there is even going to be one, like they don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. I think he just doesn't want it to happen again. And neither do I.
5: Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. You step towards
1: this front entrance, ready to, uh, turn to the east and take your usual route back uh, into, you know, uh, one of the entrances below, to uh, the level below. And uh, both of you roll me a perception check. 19. 11. Mm -hmm. Tulak probably a bit too focused on his his concern. Um, Probably going through all the motions in his head of what could and could not happen. Lady Gilda hiding her excitement, but it's kept her alert and She can hear
5: something quite subtle. Boom. 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 The
1: thudding on the ground. And then she hears someone yelling and running through the woods.
4: Uh, She will take the defend action. Surprise.
1: And it's coming from your immediate east. So if you want to put move yourselves a little bit uh five to ten feet from where you're at, you're welcome to.
2: And Uh, just for the listeners, in typical character fashion, Gilda moved towards the action and Tulok (laughs) slinked away in towards cover. (laughs) (laughs) This is
1: one hundred percent true. Uh and I am gonna get you guys to roll for initiative.
4: Okay. Interesting choice. I got a twenty-nine.
1: Modified twenty. Uh oh my, oh my, okay, okay. And let's begin the encounter. First up is Lady Gilda. What do you do? Uh I
4: mean Boom. Boom. She'll uh first action will be to keep the shield up. Uh second action, okay. she will ready an attack. Uh, An action with the attack trait, I think. Okay. Can I do that? Can I just like... Sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, The the trigger will be somebody comes within melee combat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, It just, depending on the situation, it might be a punch. It might be a grab. It might be a trip. All right.
1: Uh, Next up, Duncan, what do you get? Well, from
3: the east comes crashing one Mr. Reginald. Von Macderich oh <laughs> and he comes crashing out of those bushes completely out of breath, panic in his eyes um he's got a cloak on and he's got like a crossbow in his hand, but those things both look brand new. um He's a pretty handsome guy, uh you know, kind of wavy brown hair, and looks like he hasn't really gone through much in his life, but uh he comes in there like a bad out of hell and peels towards the water. Um using a full complement of action. Three strides, uh, he will go towards
1: the water where he's uh st- i believe that's shallow water he's standing. Yeah, in. it's pretty shallow there. Yeah, you can be like Yeah, it's probably like uh to knee deep, depending a little bit, but yeah, you're 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 only lightly submerged on okay. the edge there, yeah. So he'll go
3: like make like he's gonna dive into the water and then suddenly notice Gilda and Tulak and turn to them and just kind of like steal himself for a second. Oh, oh, my lady. Good sir. Pleasure to be met. Uh, I regret to inform you, the creature is nearly upon us. <laughs> you best ready yourselves. <laughs> uh, and he will turn uh, with the crossbow in his hand. You can see that he's got some snares strapped across his back and just
1: wait for the thing that was booming. Okay. Okay. <laughs> The next thing that happens is this massive rock. This, like, venerable boulder just comes shooting out of the forest. And I uh, you know if a uh, 34 hits your AC.
4: <laughs> Who's?
1: Starting pretty strong here.
4: Is that Reginald?
1: Yeah, it's going to Reginald. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> He's the one being chased. Yeah, it hits. Definitely hits. Not a crit. Not a crit.
5: Okay. Wait, no, it is a crit. Oh, it is a crit. It is a crit.
1: Okay. Um, Nice, Freeman. Big hit coming in. Let's. You know, we don't have a healer anymore, right? Not too bad. Not too bad. That's going to be 26 points of damage. Okay. uh, As uh, this creature comes barreling out of the woods and straight towards you.
4: Oh, no.
3: For the listeners, this is like a swole creature from
2: the Black Lagoon. <laughs> mm.
1: It basically is.
4: Like
2: a power lifter physique.
1: This massive uh it's a large, large creature just like covered in like moss and like a, a makeshift uh sort of loincloth. Uh these weird blue fish-like eyes, and it's holding this long like gaff, like a stick with a hook on it, and it's just barreling towards. Reginald, and like with its last two movements, gets right up in his goodies.
2: Um, Tulak, what do you got? Um, Tulak steps, strides forward 15 feet, closing the gap slightly. And in an attempt to save this person's life, he will cast blindness upon the water creature. And we'll need a fortitude save. Which I think you'll probably have a good one, but let's see what happens. Uh, let's see here. Uh, 26. Passes. Uh, so you are blinded until its next turn begins.
1: Okay, so I'm blinded until my next turn begins. Gotcha. Okay, so blinded is basically... Dropping my perception checks. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, all all trace typical train. Okay, all right. Gotcha. Top around two, Lady Gilda. What do you do now?
4: Gilda, with her first two actions, will stride. Uh, does that provoke?
1: It does not. Okay.
4: With You're her. All
1: up in its goodies.
4: Third action, she will attempt a trip. So that is an athletics check against your reflex DC
1: uh okay oh okay uh go for it
4: that's not a great roll that's a 16 do
1: you want to roll a here use a hair point before you decide if yeah
4: i think i do I tell you if this That's only is? a three on the die yeah uh that's a 32 that's much better
1: uh okay that's actually uh, a critical success okay so you fall prone
4: and take four okay. points of bludgeoning damage
1: Oh, my God. Blind and prone. Okay, you're really laying it on this creature. Yeah. And four points of bludgeoning?
4: Yep. Yeah. She just, you know, runs in trying to get the hang of this new half plate, you know, only being able to move 20 feet around. Moves in okay. as fast as she can and just sweeps at this thing's <laughs> knees with her heater.
1: Amazing. This blinded and then okay. this massive creature just sweep! Boom! Big thud on the ground. Uh, Reginald, what do you do? <laughs> well,
3: Reginald got hit pretty fucking hired by that rock, so he's, uh, gonna take a deep breath. <laughs> oh, well, it, it was well met indeed. A nice trip, my lady. Uh, he will first mark that fish monster as his prey. Exciting! Second action.
1: <laughs>
3: Second action, he's gonna drop the crossbow. Uh, third action, he's going to raise his club.
1: Okay. So you gotta draw the club. That's all your turns? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, cool. Next up, Marsh Giant. Uh, thanks to my success, the blinded is now done. So it was pretty short-lived. And uh, it is going to, from prone, it takes that gaff and swings it out at Reginald and is going to try and trip him. So bringing him down to his level. Athletics check against, was it Reflex, reflex cc was DC. it?
4: So Duncan, your Reflex save plus 10.
1: I rolled a 28. Uh, Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Reginald is prone. And then this creature in that swing knocks him down, rolls itself up with its next action, and then uses an ability called hook shake. Uh, I'm going to roll another athletics check against your fortitude DC.
4: With the multi-attack penalty?
1: In this case, no, oddly enough. Um, It's going to be a 28. Yeah, that's a crit. That's a crit. Okay. um, What it does is take the gaff and hook it onto you and submerges your head into the water and just starts to shake you around. It's an ability called Hook Shake. Uh, <laughs> He's just going up and down from the water, like, oh, oh, I have you right where I want you. Well, you're basically when you're underground, underwater, <laughs> you can uh, you can hold your breath for uh, for five plus your Constitution modifier, um, and this automatically reduces that ra- those many rounds by five, and is now shove your head under, shaking you around, and deals thirty five piercing damage. Uh down. Oh. Reginald down and in the water.
4: Uh, since uh, that was a crit, is he dying too?
1: <laughs> uh, well, Duncan, describe the next thing. From the south,
3: a giant orc with a battle axe comes running out of the woods, screaming. Uh, what the fuck? This is a giant Armored orc, he's got leather armor on that's all cut and dented up. His axe is massive, super long hilt, really big head. The, uh, The look on this orc's face is absolute fury as he comes running out of the woods. And for his first two actions, he will do a sudden charge. Which will be two movements and then an attack. To the south of the creature, swing the axe. 21 to hit.
1: I'm afraid it's a miss.
4: What is happening?
3: Third action. So, third action, he will go into a rage.
1: Oh, shit. (laughs) Third action is going to rage. Okay. (laughs) Amazing. Uh,
2: Tulak, you're up. So, Tulak is looking around like, holy shit, this guy is about to fucking die. Just got put down hard by this creature, and then all of a sudden, there's an orc coming out of nowhere. So he is just going to continue attacking. Um, with the first action, he is going to cast guidance onto Lady Gilda,
4: thank you,
2: and then second turn, second action, he will cast. Telekinetic projectile bringing down a stone from the keep. 18 to hit. It flies wide and miss. Yeah.
4: Lady Gilda. Who are you? What is happening? Uh, What what is going on here?
1: Uh, And the
3: orc will say, this isn't the time.
4: Well. Not wrong. (laughs) I mean, she can talk and punch, uh, which she will do. Uh she will... Oh, the hubris. Uh, raise her shield with their first action. Second action, uh, she will attempt to grapple. Okay. So that is an athletics check versus your fortitude DC.
1: Uh, okay. 21. That That's uh, no dice. Okay. Failure. That's what I thought. Uh,
4: third action, she will just punch... Uh, that's a twenty-six to hit.
3: That hits. Nice.
4: Fifteen points of bludgeoning, okay. and six points of positive if it takes it. As she's just like weaving around this thing's hook, let the okay. thing go. Like, can we just can we just talk for a second here? <laughs> she's like she's trying to talk to this marsh giant, but uh, she mm-hmm. does not have the time to do a check to see if it speaks common. So.
1: It's just ravaging this guy into the water. And you just give it a big punch. It's like,
4: ooh. Yeah. Just it
1: feels it in the old uh, the old kidney. The and most uh, most it turns towards you, Reginald, face down in the water, and just says, you're
0: done. And
1: it is going to swing at you, Lady Gilda, with its gaff. Yes. Um, and that is a 21 to hit.
4: That is a miss. And I'm going to free action use disarming block. <laughs> yeah, there
2: it is. Oh, no. There it is, James.
4: No. <laughs> oh, how many
2: episodes?
4: Is this, oh, a, this no, is a free wait, action? Wait. But is, it is a free it's also action, reaction, right? Uh, but I have to use my shield block. And I don't actually have to use a shield block uh, for that. So, no, Kevin, never mind. Okay.
1: Oh, no, we got so excited there. <laughs> oh, yeah,
2: that was since um, level three, level three,
4: level four. Yeah, four. Bad.
1: And it is going to just mindlessly swipe at you two more times. Actually, no, it's going to step five feet back from you and then swipe again with its 10 foot reach, but misses as it stumbles away from your, your gut punch. New work, yeah, right man. You know, what do you <laughs>
3: Looking over at uh, the man face down with bubbles slowly getting uh, less and less prominent coming out of the water, its face is in. The orc will, in a rage. I guess I should turn that. Did on you roll a track. flat check for
4: uh, Reginald before uh, Did not. turn? <laughs> I did. Because he would go directly after or directly before the Marsh Giant or directly after?
1: Yep. Sure would.
4: <laughs> no further questions, Your Honor.
3: Uh cool. swings the axe for a twenty-two to hit. Ah, uh, that's a miss. Uh, and he's just gonna keep going, swing with a bat minus five for a nineteen to hit. Ah, oh, terrible. Well, that's what you get for swinging angry.
1: Now that uh, now that you're playing something very different from from the usual, I might I suggest you get into a flanking position. <laughs> Yeah, but nobody else is next to him. <laughs> I mean, not now. Oh, I will be, can't. though. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, That's you? Is that all your turns? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Swing, swing. Swing, swing? Wait, no. There's no, no, you there. got one more. That's why I was suggesting it.
3: I guess easiest while I'm still on the rage would just be to take the map minus 10 and hope I don't roll like I have been.
1: 22 to hit? No. That's why I told you to flank. Okay. 22 and 21 would have hit if you flanked. <laughs> yeah, well. Nothing I could
2: do with that turn. Tulak. All right, um, Tulak will beat this old drum and cast telekinetic projectile, mm-hmm. bringing down another stone. Twenty-two to hit. Wow, nope. that's a miss. And then, just because he's like, "What the fuck is this thing?" He would like to roll a knowledge check on.
4: Thanks, buddy.
1: There you go. You. Take a moment after you throw your second projectile at it. Take a moment to stare it down, and you think, uh, "I'm not quite sure if this is something. This is looks like it's maybe uh, a member of giant kind, um, but you're not quite sure what kind or what type." Um, what you do notice right away, though, is that it is like covered in barbs and like spikes that are jabbed into it that seem to be like hampering it a lot. Um, and it's like struggling and bleeding and it's all happening really fast but this thing has come out of the woods injured.
2: Okay, uh, and he just goes, I don't know what it is but it's already injured. Keep on it. Lady Gilda.
4: Lady Gilda assuming that this thing is angry because it set off one of Reginald's traps uh, is not not thrilled about the situation she has all of a sudden been putting in uh, if that is mm-hmm. in fact the case. Uh, so first action has to be a step. Second action will be to raise the shields, and third action will be a disarm.
1: Okay. <laughs> so it's athletics versus your reflex DC.
4: Success. I just yep. weaken uh, your your grab on it and grip. Yeah. You know, plus two, uh, or sorry, minus two to your attacks.
1: Mm.
4: Uh, that's a twenty-one.
1: Uh, that's uh, meet to beat.
4: Uh, so any other disarm checks get a plus two circumstance bonus and the target takes a minus two to its attacks until the end of its next, turn. until the start of your,
1: so. So the start of its next turn, yeah.
4: So that's not particularly helpful.
1: Yeah, the start part is really tough there because that's, a, it's a success. So uh, on their part, yeah, I think, uh, or no, yeah, more or less um, this, it's now its turn. So it recovers from that right away. Lesson learned, I'm sure. And it's going to five foot step back again and swing that gaff uh, this time at Kruka. Uh,
3: as a reaction, he is going to use no escape and follow him. Oh,
1: feet. okay. okay. <laughs> nice. I like that. Re- reaction um, and steps right up and swings the the gaff uh, perhaps a bit wide, but it's still 26 to hit. That does hit. Okay. Uh, so you and- st- almost step right into it. And you take 16 bludgeoning damage. And it swings a second time for 28 to hit. Uh, Also hit. This time catching with a hook for 22 piercing damage. Okay. So 31 total of my HP. Uh, No, it's more than 31.
3: Uh, I had seven temporary HP.
1: Oh, nice. Because I went into a
3: rage. It is your turn. Uh, Well, I guess first turn will be to listen to some heavenly voice that said (laughs) and uh, stride to the east of the monster and then start swinging with that axe. Thirty one to hit. That'll hit.
1: Twenty four.
2: Damn.
1: Twenty four damage. Ooh, that's a big hit. Um, And uh, what does it look like when you're raging? Um, well, it's no dance around the maypole, Baron.
3: <laughs>
4: uh, his hair is goes golden and stands straight up.
3: <laughs> Basically, like, when he takes the swing back, the blade just comes alight with fire. It's almost like shooting up his wrists up the shaft of this axe. And he brings it down, and it just, like, comes down in a burst of flame.
0: Oh, as well
3: as... Slicing right into the
1: fucking back. embers, fly off.
3: Oh,
0: oh
1: that's this sick. creature taking take an axe to the back. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Is that you? Uh,
3: no, one more uh, swing of the axe. Nice, Not minus five. Oof, 16 to hit.
2: no nice. Is... All right, Tulak. All right, Tulak finding little success with his telekinetic projectile raises his arms and just whips some magic missiles in the direction of this creature a three, a four, and a four for eleven points of force damage.
1: Okay, not too bad. You've rolled better before, mm-hmm. but that's not too shabby. It's a hit. Lady Gilda's a hit. Yep.
4: Gilda's first action will be to step. Seriously though, what did you do to this thing to make it come after you? I can see it's it's covered in barbs, and as much as I appreciate the firepower, an explanation wouldn't go awry. <laughs> uh, and then Firepower. she will strike out that is a 17 to hit Mm-mm. okay second action she will fire again using the guidance from Tulok. that is a 22 to hit
1: uh that is a miss okay I lied earlier about uh about the flanking I, I got my numbers wrong <laughs> <laughs> sorry Amy <laughs> me hope just to take it away
4: uh, and that's her
1: all right Reginald's body just rolls over into the water with a blank look in its eyes. No breathing can be can be heard or seen from his body, and the uh, this giant creature uh, is going to turn and swing its gaff down on Lady Gilda uh, and miss with a natural two, and swing again at Lady Gilda. Why not? And miss with a natural three. Oh boy, what do you got, Dunk?
3: Oh, just where we want him uh maintaining the rage just he's gonna see this thing in a vulnerable state and start swinging like crazy 19 to hit oh
1: bro. everyone's
3: rolling low today this is bad 28 to hit that'll hit uh that's 28 uh jeez oh, okay fire. <laughs> massive <hit>. yeah <laughs> um yeah he's just gonna stay mad uh, to why not swing with a minus 10 23 to hit. That meets to
1: beat with flatfooted. <laughs>
3: Fuck. Yeah. Nice. Oh, man. And 19
1: damage for 19 for- damage. Oh, you are just taking chunks out of this guy. Tulak. This thing is like howling now. He will also respond to Lady Gilda's.
3: I've never seen this creature before. I only want to
2: see it die.
4: <laughs> Why though?
2: <laughs> so is Reginald just dead? As far as you can tell, lock will use two move actions to get beside him and will activate the healer's gloves for 10 points of healing. And like
1: shocking uh, someone with defibrillators, you just blast this healing magic into his body, and you are quite certain that they are dead he wakes up for just a moment and says,
3: remember me as I lived <laughs> a flash of light in the dark
2: and uh, is there anything else for you? no that's it
1: <laughs> okay lady gilda <laughs> too little uh, too
2: that's... late I think is what they call that even though yeah, <laughs> let's be honest it's good effort he was supposed to die
4: yeah uh, first action will be to raise uh, how's he doing back there too Locke? I heard a splash He's dead. Uh,
2: Don't sugarcoat it or anything. (laughs) Start sliding him into the Duffy's mouth. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
4: Okay. Uh, She will punch with her second action. Just hearing this news. That is 32 to hit. Uh, Yeah, that hits. Uh, Eight points of bludgeoning uh, and one point of positive. Are you kidding me? Can we not save anyone anymore? And she's starting to get kind of mad at herself and she'll strike out again at a -4 that is a 26 to hit.
2: That hit. Gilda goes into a rage. We didn't know she had that archetype. Uh,
4: 6 points of bludgeoning <laughs> and 6 points of positive. Oh,
1: how appropriate. Yeah. And this thing is so so close. It's just like stumbling all over the place. You get like like it's like you managed to punch some of those like barbs further into its flesh and its rubbery hide. And it is going to turn and retaliate on you with a 33 to hit.
4: 33 is a hit. Uh, I will use my shield block and my descending block at this point.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, yes. So shield block first, that reduces your damage taken, right?
4: Yeah, that will reduce it by my hardness, which is
1: 8. Okay, so I rolled 16 damage.
4: So, uh, regular damage is not negative.
1: It is not. It's just bludgeoning damage that's on
4: this one. Eight to me and eight to my shields. Okay, and the athletics check is a fifteen. So uh, that's a fail. Yeah, it's not a critical fail.
1: It is. Uh, it is not. Okay, good. And I was really hoping that would work for you because now that it struck you with the gaff, it's going to use an ability with its last two actions called Twist the Hook, and it just gouges an awful wound into you, uh, giving you persistent bleed damage. Okay. And Duncan, you're up.
3: Responding to Gilda, the orc will say, I do not kid, but now is not the time. Save yourself. And then
4: you see her get stabbed through the (laughs) wall. Good one.
3: (laughs) Whose team are you on? (laughs) Remaining pissed off as fuck. He's just going to take a strike with the flat footed AC. Jesus. (laughs)
1: An 18 to hit. Hey, Zeus. No dice. Uh, can I hero point that one? Sure you can. Did I start you with one? No, oh, I did. I shouldn't have done that. That's okay. Go for it. <laughs> there we go. How's a 33 to hit? Uh, that'll do it. Why don't you just go ahead and describe your kills as has two H- HP left.
3: <laughs> so it's already looking pretty, like, sliced up from the previous blows that it's had taken. And he just lets out an absolute roar. Fire belches from his mouth. All the way up his axe, it's just one big flaming blade that comes down and basically cleaves the thing in two. Ugh. And it smells like broiled haddock.
2: <laughs> Yum!
1: You just slice. What a sting. visceral sense! And it falls Stings back, like, ripping, ripping that that gaff away from Lady Gilda's flesh. And she's got this gaping wound on her. You hear her lung uh, stand- yeah. Tulak is standing over this dead body. And you have this completely unknown, random, hulking fire orc standing in front of you. And that's what we're going to call it. Stemming the Tide is an actual play podcast of the Adventure Path Abomination Vaults and is produced by the Uncharted North Network. Stemming the Tide uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Inc. used under Paizo's community use policy. We are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. Stemming the Tide is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo. For more information about Paizo Inc. and Paizo products, visit paizo.com. Music is composed by Will Savino and artwork by Greyhood. Stemming the Tide is recorded remotely using Foundry Virtual Tabletop. If you wish to connect with us or support this project and projects to come, we can be found at unchartednorth.ca, patreon.com slash unchartednorth, and in all major social media platforms. Links to all credits can be found in the episode description and our website. Thanks for tuning in.